1: what's up everybody we're back week four biggie's bar room talking biggie's hoops everything that was everything that's gonna go on and everything in between uh as always i'm tyler and
0: i'm joined by co-host ryan ryan how you doing today i'm good i'm excited i think we had a, a heck of a lot of good games that happened some movement in some rankings and uh, i'm excited to go over it all and it was almost nice because we were
1: uh a lot of people I think are going to be interested in this episode because I think whether you like it or not, if you're in the Northeast, you watch college basketball this weekend because there was the blizzard that hit and Saturday was pretty much a wash and I, um, a lot of people spent a lot of the day inside. So I think that you know people are going to kind of have a little bit more juice coming into this, some more opinions. I saw a lot of things flying on Twitter. Um, so I'm interested to see you know the reaction we get to this. Right, I
0: think you know especially coming out of college football season, then the fells winding down, uh, and we had a great slate of hoops Saturday afternoon while everybody was inside, and then we had the one game postponed to Sunday. A lot of people still hadn't got it back outside, so I, I agree. I think that college hoops is kind of coming to the forefront of everybody's attention. And what I mean, good job by
1: Big East in general. I mean they loaded up on Saturday. We were supposed to have five games. Providence and Marquette got moved to Sunday. Um, But they did them all before any of the football games, so they weren't interfering. You didn't have to pick which one you wanted to watch. So it was nice. And they staggered the games on Saturday, which we've been
0: asking for for a little bit. You know, it was 12, 2, 4, 6. Well, the Blizzard helped them out on that because Providence was double-booked with, I believe, Butler-Georgetown. Was it Um, Butler-Georgetown? They were were double-booked, but the Blizzard postponed them to sunday so that every game was you could you know watch them right down the line
1: and that's what i ended up doing on saturday i know um you were a little busy on saturday so but i know a lot of people i saw people that i don't normally interact with on twitter watching the whole georgetown butler game i mean that was a a great game and i ended up watching the whole thing um and i think most of the games actually delivered um you only had one kind of blowout with nova on saturday but Overall, I thought it was just a really good week of big Big East hoops, and I think some of the takes we had last week, um, we kind of kind of have to talk about them and kind of talk about uh, what if we really do believe that because I don't I don't know if I believe some of the things I was gonna I said last week um, anymore, and I don't know you know where a lot of the Big East hoop stands.
0: Well, that's a great thing about college basketball; it's always
1: changing right up to the tournament. Yeah, so why don't we dive in and we uh, talk about the week that was, um, refresh our memory on what went on, and then. We'll move on to a little bit, stock up, stock down. So we're going to start with Tuesday or Monday. So St. John's, if you remember right before on Monday, we actually, you would already listen to it. um, St. John's actually went to the Walsh um, gymnasium for Seton Hall and they played on the thousand seat arena and only Seton Hall students were allowed. Um, And I don't think many people were expecting this result. The Johnnies won 84 to 63. Uh, The... Mike Anderson switched things up a little bit and put Wheeler in the starting lineup, and he scored 17, and he took Posh off the bench. 19 points, 7 rebounds, and 5 assists. Um, whatever happened there worked for at least the mojo of the team. Seton Hall, um, Jerry Roden did get 12 points on t- and 12 rebounds, but he went 4 of 17 shooting. Harris added 12 points off the bench, but it wasn't enough as they
0: lost by 21. Seton Hall shot only 30% from the floor. Moving over to Tuesday night, number 14 Villanova defeated DePaul 67-43. Gillespie goes for 14 points on 4-6 from 3. Dixon, 11 points, 10 rebounds, 6 offensive. Javon Johnson was a bright spot for DePaul. He goes 16 points, 5 rebounds. J- Jalen Terry, 10 points, 3 assists. But it was close for a while, but in the end they got outclassed. And that's kind of, well, We this game was never close.
1: Georgetown traveled to play UConn, and UConn won 96 to 73 for a while they were scoring together but UConn eventually pulls away Amina Muhammad with 15 points seven rebounds and a losing effort for UConn this their depth showed again Adama Sunogo, 19 Isaiah Whaley 15 Tyrese Martin with 14 RJ Cole with 14 and Jordan Hawkins with 15 off the bench UConn shot 50% from the field and 41% from
0: downtown moving over to Wednesday night number 17 Providence defeats Number 21, Xavier, 65 62 on a game that we will talk a lot about later. Uh, Al Durham, 22 points, 4 assists. Jared Bynum, 16 points, 4 assists. For Xavier, Jack Nungie had 15 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks. Zachary Fremantle had 12 points and 2 assists. Um, later that night, or maybe at the same
1: time, you probably know better than I, we had another upset. Um, Butler traveled to Creighton. Uh, Creighton traveled to Butler, and Creighton lost by 17, 55 72. Columa, for Creighton in a losing effort, scored 18, while well, also Connell chipped in with tw- 10. For Butler's 72 points was led by Bo Hodges with 18. You had Harris with 14, and Sefish Shimas. Shimas Lukosius scored
0: 14 points off the bench in the winning effort for Butler. Big win for them. And the nightcap Wednesday night, number two Marquette defeats Seton Hall 73-63. Um, this game, Marquette really took it to him early, seeing Hall battle back early in the second half, but it wasn't enough. Justin Lewis goes for 33 points, 9 rebounds, a new career high. Kirk Queth, 6.7 blocks, 6 of which in the first 5 minutes of the game. Jared Roden goes for 14 points, 9 rebounds. Jameer Harris was really nice off the bench for the Hall, 16 points on 4 of 8 from 3. Now we go to Blizzard Day, Saturday.
1: You get 5 games, 4 after the game gets moved. We start at noon. Georgetown goes to visit Butler, two teams that desperately needed a win. And Butler escapes with a win. Um, This is really the tale of two halves. When Georgetown decided to press in the second half, it became a lot closer. But Aminu Muhammad again, continues to impress with 16 points and six rebounds. Um, For Butler, uh, they were led by Aaron Thompson, 12. Brian Enzi had 12. Sefis. Sefis. Lukosius. I'll get it eventually. Maybe I won't. He's a freshman. He'll be here four years. 13 points for Butler. Uh, an impressive win for Butler, although I was really actually came away more
0: impressed by Georgetown and the young kids that they have. After that game, you had number 21 Xavier traveling to Creighton. They win 74-64. This game is notable for the 27-2 run that Xavier went on in the second half after being down big in the first half. Scruggs ends with 18 points and 8 assists. Nate Johnson shakes off the rust. 15 points some 5 7 from deep. Ryan Nemhard for the Blue Chase goes for 23 points, and Ryan Cockburn uh, at 13 points, eight rebounds. A
1: little bit later, we went to the Johnnies. We're playing at Villanova. Johnnies end up losing by 11, 62, 73 in a game that I think is closer than the final score indicates. Montez Mathis went for 14 points for the Johnnies. Julian Champenny continues to struggle. He was only able to chip in nine on some pretty poor shooting. For Villanova, Eric Dixon with 14, Colin Gillespie with 17 points, and Caleb Daniels with 15 off
0: the bench. Villanova takes care of business. And the nightcap of that Saturday slate, number 20, UConn goes out to DePaul, wins that game 57-50. It's an R.J. Cole game. He goes for 25 points and 5 rebounds for the Huskies. Andre Jackson chips in 7 points, 13 boards. Javon Johnson again, uh, the bright spot for DePaul. Eighteen points and three steals. Brandon Johnson goes for fourteen points and eight rebounds.
1: And we move to Sunday. The game that got rescheduled. Marquette goes to the dunk to play Providence. It's the dunk. Students are going crazy. There's no transportation there. They figure out all the undergrad kids how to get there anyway, and it was a raucous environment from the get. Marquette loses sixty three to sixty five. Providence is able to hang on. And an instant classic. Nate Watson with 17 points. Including a dunk and one with 44 seconds left. Mania um, o- with 14 points. And then he was named Biggie's Player of the Week later this week. He averaged 40, point- 40 minutes a game this week. Didn't come out. Uh, Noah Horkler and Al Durham both chipped in with 11. For Marquette, you had Justin Lewis with 13 points. Tyler Kolak with 13. And Darryl Morcel with 14. And that's the week that was in Biggie's basketball. So... Went through all the Big East games. Rye, what game stood out
0: for you as your game of the week? Well, I alluded to it earlier. I'm going Providence versus Xavier. I'm calling it the Jared Bynum game. Um, Game started off interesting right off the bat with the lineups. Steele changed it up. It's the first time he's played Nunji and Fremantle starting for the the Musketeers. and it didn't click in the first half at all. Providence jumped up 14 points in the first half. Uh, Xavier battled back towards the end of the half. They turned into a six-point deficit, 35-29. Uh, Durham had 12. Bynum had 11 already at half. Uh, second half, Xavier played well. Uh, Zach Fremantle had 10 points in the second half. They t- they uh, get bring it real close down to the end. Paul Scruggs hits a three-pointer step back. Nobody picks him up. Drains it. 50 seconds left. Uh, everybody's screaming onions. And uh, they come down. Al Durham comes down. Gets to the free throw line. Ties the game. Ball goes back to the Musketeers. Paul Scruggs misses the shot. Six seconds left. Down the court. Jared Bynum flares out to the wing. Al Durham sees him. Hits him. Drains it. Off the bench. Jared Bynum finishes with 16 points. Four assists. And a game-winning shot. Uh... It was, it was a great game. I give Xavier credit for battling back. They uh, they easily could have faded after the first half. They were not playing well at all, and they they did battle back. Jack Nunji came up big for them. But the point guard play for the, the Friars was just incredible in that game. I think they combined for 38 points and 8 assists, and, and they only scored 65 points. So the, the point guards go for 38 or your 65. Um and the Friars pull it off, and that's all that they do. That they, they just keep doing. They keep winning games, not by a lot, but they pull it off in the end.
1: I, and I think the, one of the most impressive things about that game is Nate Watson gets into foul trouble right at the beginning. He does not score in that entire mm-hmm. game. Um, zero points. And if you had told me before that Nate Watson, they were going to travel to Xavier, Nate Watson was going to have zero points, and Providence was going to figure out a way to win. That's all they. You're right. That's all they did. They, all they figured out this year is how to win, where the cracks are to win game, and it's so impressive to watch them go. Um, I mean, they've really turned a lot of heads, and I don't think anyone can really say they're lucky anymore after two wins like this, or that they had this week.
0: Yeah, I think uh, they had a good game plan after they lost Watson. They did a great job attacking the big guys in the pick-and-roll. You know, Steele's got Nunji and Fremantle out there, who obviously don't have great lateral movement, and they keep putting the point guards in the pick-and-roll, letting them attack off it. That's how you get 38 of your 65 from the point guards. And, and all credit to Bynum and Durham, who made a bunch of tough shots down the stretch. Um, and, well, you know, Ed Cro- I mean,
1: again, just Ed Croswell chips in with 10 points and six rebounds. I mean, couple Providen- of those were
0: dump-offs dunk, dunk yeah. from uh, the little fellows.
1: Providence's depth is just, I mean, I've said that I think UConn has the most depth in the conference, but, I, I mean, Providence is definitely, I mean, they're playing eight deep in any of those eight. I mean, Jared, that game gets dominated by Jared Bynum, who's coming off the bench, and Ed Croswell's chips in 10, and you don't get your probably your biggie's first team player to score any point and you still win a game i mean it's really impressive
0: yeah i just can't say enough about jared bynum you know how often is it that your backup point guard dominates a game um he's now i believe in the top four in, in the conference for assist to turnover ratio he's playing out of his mind he had a nice game against marquette later in the week too um so that was a hell of a game. What's your game of the week, Ted?
1: I went with Mark. I am going to just sing Providence's praises. I, I said at the beginning of the week when we did our last week, if Providence won both games, if they beat Marquette, if they beat Xavier, I'm willing to call them the best team in the Big East, and we're going to have to have that conversation after. But um, I went with the Sunday game, Marquette versus Providence. Uh, just a classic back and forth. Marquette had kind of jumped out to a lead at the beginning of the game. They had kept it you know, in the six- to eight-point range. But Providence stormed back. They never panicked. Um, again, their depth. Um, they have Nate Watson, though, and you don't. And Nate, when Nate Watson dunked that ball on about the whole... I said, I tweeted, um, Nate Watson just dunked on the entire state of wherever Marquette is because he just absolutely took that offensive rebound off of Noah Horkler's miss
0: and went up and with 44 seconds left... Gets fouled, dunks it. And so you alluded to this. I was busy this weekend. I didn't get to watch the game live. I watched it later, which gives you the chance to kind of dig into the tape. So what I love about that uh, putback, he sets up on Kirk Queth's left side. He does a little ole move. I thought it was a foul at first. I rewinded it. Oh, but he doesn't foul him. He just, Queth goes to lean back on him. Now all of a sudden Watson's moved to his right side. He falls on the ground. Watson gets the rebound and the putback through a foul. I mean, about two or three fouls there. Yeah. Uh, a hell of a sequence for him. And I
1: think this is also just proves. I mean, how deep the big East is. I think Marquette and Providence are two of the top five teams. I mean, we can talk about our rankings of them later, but Marquette goes into a very hostile environment. Providence was ready. It we got chippy before the game. I don't know if you saw those yeah, pictures so. of them talking. I could, I could guess who's in the middle of that. <clears throat> Daryl Morcel. Um, but it just, you know, it got chippy. Duckyard dog. Yeah. It got chippy for a little bit. Um, but Prov- and Marquette came out and Tyler Kolek hits two of his first three threes. And it's like Tyler Kolek shooting 24% from three. Um, they are very deep too. Darryl Morsell can take over a game. Justin Lewis didn't shoot great. He only shot 33% from the field this game, especially coming off that 33-point game um, that he had earlier in the week. So, I mean, I was really impressed by Marquette, but Providence continues to get it done. You had f- four players in double figures. Um... You know, I'm a little interested how they're playing. They're playing Alvin Breed and Alan Breed and J- Jared Bynum. Like, I know Jared Bynum's technically coming off the bench, but in this game, Alan Breed scored f- or had five minutes and Jared Bynum had 29 minutes. And also, it was good to see A.J. Reese come back. And A.J. Reese came back. He gets six points. He looked a little rusty at the beginning of the game, but he comes back and he has those first threes. And Providence is scary. I know that, you know, they're just really deep. And I think they're a really good team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Reeves definitely made some mistakes that were uncharacteristic at the beginning of the game. He hit a couple open threes down the stretch, which is exactly what they need from him. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to let uh, stop talking about this game before I mention Al Durham, who goes for 11 points and three assists in the final 12 minutes of the game. Uh Two assists to Watson. Two really nice assists. Hits that three with the hand in his face mm. to tie the game. Uh, he was dynamite mm. down the stretch. That guy's just a winner.
1: Yeah. Uh, Alderm earned a few fans for anyone who bet Marquette plus three yesterday. That's for sure. Yeah, see, I'm missing <laughs> his free throws. Yeah, well, on purpose. But, I mean, just an overall great game. And Providence plays two instant classics. And they do what Providence has done all year. It might not be the prettiest game. It might be someone new every day. But they're going to figure out a way to beat you. They're going to take your best shot. I mean... Some of their wins are ugly, quote-unquote, but they're wins. And when you're 18-2, it's not a fluke anymore. Providence is just really, really good. And we need to start just kind of talking about them in the same breath that we talk about Villanova, in my opinion. So with that being said, I'm not going to waste too much time because I just sang their praises a lot. And this is what, in the biz, they call a segue, everyone. So uh, my stock up is going to be Providence. Two wins this week over two top uh, 25 teams in marquette and xavier they travel to xavier in one and then they get a win at home um one i'm gonna say they won without nate watson because <laughs> zero points and from nate watson is you know just yeah obviously he,
0: he still has an effect on the yeah. floor his gravity he pulls defenders around the floor causes double teams but they
1: they essentially you know
0: won without him
1: and i think that's yeah. you know without his offensive contribution um I think you know they're eighteen and two, as I alluded to. They're eight and one in the conference. Um, I don't, you know, I'm I'm was a little disappointed, and I can't speak to what I know from the inside because we don't have sources. I was hoping that Providence would get some of those games rescheduled. They were supposed to play Seton Hall, Creighton, and UConn. Um, those are th- those would be three quad one wins, or at least quad two when you're talking about Creighton, um, or at least three quad one games, and maybe a quad two game in there. I don't know who's to blame for it. Twitter's all a mess with whose fault is it. Is it Providence? Is it other teams? Um, I'm not going to speculate on that. It's just kind of a shame because, you know, it's kind of – I just want to see this Providence team continue to prove people wrong, continue to prove that they are this good. Um, And, you know, they're in the underbelly of their schedule now. They go – they play the Johnnies. um, They're playing Georgetown. They're playing DePaul. And then they get Villanova. But then they get Butler. So, I mean, they can just really rattle off a lot of games. They're 8-1 and one right now. Expect them to be 11-1 and one going into that Villanova game on the day after Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're really looking at a team that, for all intent, I mean, it looks like only Villanova and UConn are going to have an opportunity to catch them be- just because of the, the amount of losses they have. Um, and I don't think they're going to lose more than three games in the Big East this year or four games in the Big East. And I just don't know if anyone else can catch them.
0: Yeah, I think that their balance is really notable. Um, it was interesting to see them down the stretch. They went Bynum, Durham, Manaya Horkler, Watson. And to me, that kind of screamed like this is our f- final lineup. We, we're we bringing Bynum off the bench. And um, Breed is starting. But I think, that's- I think it's just semantics at this point because they don't actually – they're not
1: really putting Breed off the bench. Right. It seems like they're just – act or Breed starting. It seems like they just start the game that way and then –
0: but um, but you look at those five, switch. I mean, you have a stretch four in Horkler, who yeah. shoot one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. Nate Watson is probably the best pure five. I mean, Adama Sonogo, but he's right up there. Um, Justin Mania is in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, and we were just talking about Durham and... and um, tell me up, Bynum? Bynum and everything that they bring to the team, so... You know, you every piece in that starting lineup is playing their role really, really well and at a near all-conference level, and is, this is, these are the results you're getting. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I think that's really what it comes down to. They all know the roles. They're kind of like a Villanova light right now, and maybe you can't even say Villanova light anymore. That's what's kind of the mental gymnastics I think a lot of Big
0: East fans are having right now. So who's your stock up? My stock up for the week is going to be R.J. Cole. Um, he just continues to impress and I think that he's criminally underrated and so we should talk about him a little bit. He went for 39 points, 8 assists and 11 rebounds over the two games this week. Uh, that includes a 25 point performance against DePaul in DePaul. Um, and when you start looking at the uh, stats for the conference, he just continues to climb up. He Right now he has the best assist to turnover ratio in the entire conference. Uh, win shares, which is an advanced stat that Sports Reference puts out. He's second in the conference behind Colin Gillespie. Um, he's one of two players in the conference, averaging 15 points and four assists. He's potentially the best point guard in the conference. Um, Gillespie, it's it's tough when Colin
1: Gillespie plays in your conference and Posh Alexander plays, but I listen, I I agree. On any given night, I think it's uh. I think I think he can go toe to toe with anyone. Get any given night, I'm not ready to, for Gillespie to lose that crown, but I think potentially any given night he can go with them.
0: Yeah, I think uh, he he's a little bit more versatile on defense. Well, it depends who he's guarding. Um, but I think that R. J. Cole, I think he belongs in the in the same breath as those two, and he's not getting mentioned that way. Um, but he absolutely carried UConn against DePaul. He goes for twenty five of their fifty seven. Plus an assist. So, you know, he's accounted for almost half of their points there. He was incredible. He, was, he hit the only three-pointers of the game. I think UConn finishes shooting about 20% from three. He's got both of the makes. Uh, so the rest of the team shot 0% from three. Um, you know, he, he's an absolute leader. When they need a bucket... He goes out and gets it, and he deserves more credit. So he's my stock up for the week. Yeah, I mean, I we
1: talked about this before. I think that's a game that UConn loses normally. Um, in the last five years, you know since they've won the tournament, I think they've been losing a lot of these close games. Um, just countless times that I you know they've lost to Cincinnati when they're in the AC or yeah. you know whatever. And um, R.J. Cole kind of came out and you know kept it kept it okay for a little bit while they were playing DePaul. You know, DePaul shot terribly, but. Um, RJ Cole was kind of, he was just a leader and UConn's kind of lacked that, um, over the years, while James Booknight was clearly the best player on the team last year, right. he was not the same leader. And now RJ's kind of stepped into that role. Um, and he, he's really, you know, stepped up and I'm really, you know, as a UConn fan, which we, I am, I'm free to admit that, uh, I'm excited to see where he's able to lead this team this year because you know, this is, this is his senior year too. I mean, I know he technically has another year and if he wants to come back maybe, but, you know, he's probably thinking if I can go on a run in the tournament and like other UConn guards have before me, you know, what are people going to look to be drafting me at the end? So I'm, I'm interested to see. And, you know, UConn's really coming to a head with their schedule. I mean, they have Creighton and then Villanova and you know, they're going to have a lot of good games against a lot of good point guards. And um, it's going to be interesting to see where he lies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't even mention how many charges he takes. Oh, I I mean, the guy's incredible. I mean, he puts his body on the line. He makes a smart play. And, you know, coaches are in those huddles saying someone take a freaking charge. R.J. Cole is the first one to respond. I mean, you could go on and on about what he brings to the team. The little stuff, the leadership, it uh, to him in crunch time.
1: Yeah, it's just fun. it's funny. Someone has a quote from Howard where he went to before this, and was like, "How did you get RJ Cole to play defense?" And I mean, again, that's a testament to Hurley that he's got uh, Cole to buy in defensively. Yep. Uh, I've been Cole, Cole's taken. I mean, as me, I mean, obviously, I can't quantify that, and I don't know how to find that easily. Um, but Cole's taking so many charges this year and changed the momentum a lot of times. Every time he I think slides he took there.
0: four against St. John's in the yeah. overtime game, I think he took two against DePaul the other day.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, again, really impressive and neat. You know, he finds his times when to go on his scoring run, so I think that's a great stock up. So for stock down, for my stock down to start, I'm gonna go with Creighton. Uh, this is a team that I think was on the bubble, but on the right side of the bubble. I think they were kind of trending towards an eight nine seed um, for a little bit there. And they go and they lose to Butler, and they don't. Even, they don't lose to Butler. They kind of get smacked. They lose by seventeen. Um, you can write that off. They're on the road in the Big East. Any game's a hard game. I don't think the difference between Butler and Creighton is as pronounced as I thought. I was shocked to hear that Butler has six players that are either seniors or super seniors um, on their team. So they're an experienced team with Laval Jordan, who had them ranked as like the fifth best team during that COVID year. I think Butler is a better team than they've been playing um and maybe they're starting to find that after they went two in a row but then they go and they play um, xavier. xavier and they have the pink out game and they, i you know it's it's this great environment and coach mcdermott's wife is there and it's just like this awesome thing and they go up 17 at the half and you're like all right this is the creighton team this is them and i don't even know how to explain what i saw i mean a 27 to 2 run is something you just don't see in college basketball for a they could not get anything to fall um, down the stretch of that game, and they couldn't get anything to stop the bleeding. They they And Xavier just kept hitting shot after shot after shot. I mean, Creighton doesn't hit its first field goal until nine minutes left in the second half. I mean, it was unbelievable to watch it live. Um, it turned a completely raucous environment into, you know, as quiet as a church at certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, to lose two games, I think Creighton is now looking at, and I know Creighton fans are not gonna want to hear this, I think they're looking on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Um, maybe we'll chat about that a little bit later, but they went from probably being a shoe-in. They just handled business where they beat Butler this week and then lost to Xavier or whatever. Um I think they would have just kind of kept it moving. Everyone would have said stock even with them. But to lose the way they did to Xavier after getting that up, I'm interested to see McDermott has a young team. Um, what are they going to look like when they come back? Are they going to look shell-shocked? I mean, Ryan Nemhart's never blown a 19-point lead, I promise you. Wherever he's played in high school or whatever, he's never blown blown a
0: 19-point lead. Yeah, um, I think you know a lot of that can be explained away with youth. Three of their six highest-minutes guys are freshmen. Cockburner's a sophomore. And then you have Hawkins and O'Connell, who obviously are more experienced, but you're gonna get some mistakes and some ugly moments when your point guards a freshman, um Arthur Glo a freshman, Trey Alexander's a freshman, Trey Alexander had just had really nice minutes, uh, yeah, and you yeah, end uh, i mean, and the problem is when you best
1: when the guy who can calm you down the most is like a Ryan Cockbrenner, like you run into problems because Ryan Cockbrenner isn't ball dominant um right. so if Ryan Nemhard's still playing a little bit out of control just because he's having some freshman know-ins. Like Ryan Cockburner can't take the ball and make a drive and go do something like that, so it's just a little bit harder, you know, for them to write the ship. I think Ryan Nemhart will absolutely mature into one of the best players on the Big East. Um, I think he's very exciting young player, yeah, but I mean, this just it was just brutal to watch, um, just to watch Xavier Land haymaker after haymaker, and you know, you thought okay, they'll finally break it, and they just could never get past it. So I mean, a great great win for Xavier. Um, especially coming off that loss to Marquette. If they had lost, they're probably looking at unranked. But, you know, they end up winning a big game against Creighton. So what my, they had to do. my stock down is the Blue Jays. <clears throat> so your final, let's do let's get the bad news out of the way, your final stock down.
0: My stock down for the week has got to be Kevin Willard. Um, you know, the Hall goes 0-2 this week. And not only did they go 0-2, but they look lost for... Probably seventy-five of the eighty minutes, they had about five good minutes in the second half of the Marquette game where they tightened it up a little bit, and a lot of that was thanks to Jared Roden. Um But not only does their offense is their offense having trouble without Bryce Aiken, but their defense looks really poor. Uh kind of lazy. They didn't pick up some guys coming down the court against Marquette. Um, you know, tons of turnovers, especially against St. John's, and that's what St. John's does. But you know, to the point where it was an unwinnable game with the amount of turnovers they were committing, especially in your own gym in such a small environment. Um you know, Richmond's got 17 turnovers in three games and Willard's still running him out there as his point guard. That makes me question what Willard's seeing when you you know, he's almost averaging six turnovers a game. Uh the and and they were talking about the defense, the Johnny's ever uh shot forty-four percent from the field, Marquette shot forty-seven percent from the field. So, on all sides, I think right now that Seton Hall is looking lost. They came into the season with a lot of depth, and a lot of people are talking about, you know, they'd be able to go 8-9 deep and that they have all these weapons. Well, increasingly, it's looking like their only weapon is Jared Roden and Bryce Aiken if he gets healthy. Yeah, villain, I mean, I think one of the things I saw Seton Hall fans the most,
1: Kevin Willard's response to a question on the atmosphere when they played in Walsh Gym, Seton Hall's Gym, quote-unquote, I don't like playing here. He says he felt the advantage was for St. John's because St. John's kind of plays in a smaller arena when they're not playing at Madison Square Garden. I mean, your kids just showed up in droves to watch you lose by 21 points. And you're going to say to, uh, I mean, to even say that you don't like playing here, you're not, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just a terrible excuse. It it looks really bad. You know, if a kid says that, you know, they're a college kid, they're not used to being in front of the media. Kevin Willard, you got to be better than that. Um, I don't know where Seton Hall goes from there. It, you know, Jared Roden has come on to be a kind of, um, unreliable or not, not unreliable, but inefficient 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 shooter. Yeah. And Jared Roden was, you know, shooting really well. And I think part of that was Bryce Aiken was getting in the ball in good situation after good situation. But now, you know, over the last, um, let's go the last since the Marquette game, he shot 42% in the Marquette game where, uh. Bryce Aiken got hurt. Yep. Since then, he shot 18%, 23%, and 29%. They have, they're 1-2 during that stretch.
0: And he's definitely <laughs> forcing it. If you're watching the games, you can tell he's forcing it. He feels yeah. that the offense is completely on his shoulders with Aiken out. Um, he did have some really nice moments to get against Marquette. I think he went for 9 points in the first 5 minutes of the second half. Really dragged them back into that game, and they were never able to close it much but he, past that. I mean, but.
1: he's an 80% free throw shooter, and he's shooting in his last... I mean, again, this is small sample size, so I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, we have to take this. But he's taken 17 free throws, and he's made eight of them. He's shooting under 50% from the line over his last four games. Well, how, how much is that is exhaustion? I, I don't know if it's exhaustion. I don't want to speculate what it is. Again, I've called Roden and Aiken are the heart and soul, and I think it's very clearly that uh, I think Aiken's the heartbeat of that team. and I mean, how much it's just, again, laughable. Not laughable as like uh we're making a joke about it, but just how much the biggie's changed on that one play, that one call. True. Bryce Aiken gets a concussion. Bright I said the other day, Bryce Aiken since this picture was taken, Bryce Aiken hasn't played again. Marquette hasn't lost. Yeah. Now Marquette's lost. But just a complete cosmic shift in the Big East to the point where Seton Hall is not a tournament team right they're now. They're not and
0: I I just think that so much of that has to fall on Kevin Willard. When you're you go into the season and you have all these transfers and you have all these big names and you know everybody expects Tyrese Samuel to take this huge jump and Kadari Richmond's one of the best transfers into the Big East and Alexis Yetna comes in to start. You know, they're not giving you much. Miles Kale actually has a nice game against uh Marquette, but I will say Joe Lunardi has
1: seen all as a eight seed this is before they uh they got updated again so maybe i'm just i mean being who, their wins are
0: against <coughs> yale michigan and texas i believe did they have a nice they in conference? yes they beat uconn in overtime of course um michigan and texas have greatly devalued yale never turned into the team that some people were predicting early in the season yukon's their best win probably yeah
1: i mean by far i i
0: UConn's definitely their
1: best win. Um, it looks like after the COVID pause, they just haven't been the same. Um, they're 2-4 and four in their last, or no, sorry, 3-6. and six. I mean, they're just kind of trending downward. Um, I hope they turn it around because I do, again, I still think they could be the most talented team in the big Well,
0: East. what I'd like to see is team <coughs> run out Jameer Harris at the point starting. The guy is probably their, no, he is their best three-point shooter outside of Trey Jackson who doesn't shoot at any kind of volume. Yeah. Jameer Harris is their best three-point shooter. He gives them uh, another offensive weapon, just standing in the corner. You know, Jared Roden does an amazing job of breaking down the defense. Then he throws it out to Kadari Richmond, who can't, you know, who's shooting under 30% yeah. thirty percent from um, 30. So I hope Willard makes that change, and I'm sure there's other stuff, uh, you know, that's going on in the locker room that he's looking to change. That I don't know, but Seton Hall's he's best win at Texas, by the way. What's Texas ranked right now?
1: Texas is ranked seventh in the country
0: okay or uh, like maybe it.
1: they were ranked seventh at the time i think yes yeah, they, they were, were ranked, ranked seventh, seventh at,
0: at the time. time i believe it's
1: very much <clears throat> so to concerned. be fair seton Hall's has beaten two top 10 teams unfortunately for them both those teams have tanked after michigan is fourth at the time but you play who's in front of you and they have lost some very winnable games you can't be losing to DePaul. you can't be losing to st john's i mean these are some games they need to win um so we'll see they i mean they have some tough or they have a georgetown and creighton so two winnable games And then they go Xavier Villanova-UConn. I mean, so we're going to see what that looks like.
0: Okay, I think, you know, that pretty much covers what I need to say about Seton Hall. We're pretty disappointed. We're big Seton Hall fans. We love Jared Roden, so we hope they turn it around. That's my stock down. So that's enough of looking
1: back at the week that was. So let's look ahead at the week that's coming up. Um, So we're going to go, and I'm going to ask you just coming off which game you like the most after I get through this. So Tuesday, you got Creighton traveling to play UConn. Seton Hall going to play the Georgetown Hoyas. And the number 15th-ranked Providence Friars going to play the St. John's. On Wednesday, you have Butler traveling to play 21 Xavier. The number 12 Villanova Wildcats going to play number 24-ranked Marquette. On Thursday, you have the Johnnies traveling to play Georgetown. And that's a lone game. So on Friday, you also only have one game where you have Creighton going to Seton Hall. Hopefully not in Walsh Gymnasium for Kevin Willard. On Saturday you have the Johnny's going to play Butler. Yukon traveling to play Villanova, 17th ranked Yukon against Villanova, who's twelve. DePaul playing Xavier, and on Sunday, I guess they like the being the only team there now. Providence is playing Georgetown.
0: You know, I kinda like the Friars playing on Sundays. That kind of <laughs> works well for them, huh? It's
1: kind of like uh perfectly encompasses like we're not we're not we're better than you right now. Like we, we get our own day. You can all share this slate, and that's kind of the vibe of Providence Twitter right now. Which is, I kind of like that they're peacocking at people because they, they've they had a rough stretch and they're sick of being, you know, second fiddle and they are probably the best. Well, well again, we could talk about that in a minute. But, um, so what game do you like the most coming into this week? Or coming into this week? Um,
0: you know, I'm between two. Of course, I really like UConn at Villanova Saturday afternoon. But I'm going to stick with Wednesday, the late game, 10 p.m., Villanova at Marquette. Um, Villanova's looking for a little bit of revenge marquette with that great win at the end with justin lewis hit that three out of the headlock um it was a really good game really different teams marquette has so much length so much youth villanova is um you know switches one through five and uh much older much more mature um and they had a little bit higher aspirations going into the season, but Marquette obviously has caught right up. So, I think that'll be a really good game. I think that Jay Wright's gonna bring his best. I wouldn't. Uh, there's no coach in conference I'd want to face twice least. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, then Jay Wright. I you know that guy can scheme out of his mind, and he will know that the know the matchups that he wants to attack where he thinks that Marquette's weak and he will attack it repeatedly. So I'm really excited to see what he schemes coming into that game. Yeah, I mean,
1: the first game was so good that you just hope that the second game can live up to anywhere near that. No. <clears throat> Villanova, just such a disciplined team. And Marquette, while they are disciplined, they kind of like the chaos of everything going on. So it's just funny to watch the two. Um, <clears throat> they were play- They played a game in the 50s the first time against each other. <clears throat> Not great shooting. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Well <clears throat> will like, Um, for my game of the week, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go Saturday noon. Nothing speaks to you as a traditional Big East fan more than Saturday noon type game. Number 17, UConn going to play number 12, Nova for the second week in a row. And I don't know if this will lead to rankings. UConn moves up, um, one of the most for anybody in the, you know, UConn actually moves up the most of anybody in the Big East. Again, they move up three spots. Um, UConn's trending in the right direction, and I will completely hedge that by saying they played Butler twice, they played Georgetown, and they played DePaul. If UConn didn't go 4-0 during that stretch, there'd be a huge problem. UConn also needs to beat Creighton if they want to go where they need to go. So I'm not trying to sit here and toot UConn's horn. They've looked bad against DePaul, but they did look good against Butler twice, um, at least for three of those halves, and they would look good against Georgetown. Villanova, this is a litmus test for UConn. Where are they as a team? Are they ready to take that step to be in the Villanova range, or are they still going to be, you know, kind of outclassed by Villanova? Um, I think you highlighted perfectly what you were saying earlier. I think RJ Culver's Colin Gillespie will be an incredibly good matchup. I think UConn has a lot of length on that front line with Whaley and Sanogo, and I just don't know if um, Villanova is going to be able to match the length at least. So I'm interested to see what the how that matchup goes. I also... I really want to see the development of Eric Dixon. Eric Dixon has been a really, you know, he's had the probably the biggest rise this year of a, one of the bigger rises this year of a, Absolutely. Of a player, and he's going to be going against two legitimate bigs. He's not, you know, I he's going to be, Isaiah Whaley, at least defensively, is going to be um,
0: right there with him, and then, Right, well, they yeah. beat Seton Hall, he played Ike Obiag. or was yeah. that the game that Ike missed? Um, it might have been the game that Ike, Ike missed, missed. He, you know, they lost to Marquette, he played Kirk Queff.
1: Yeah, but, he, but he's um, going to be playing one guy on offense. I'm guessing that Adama, he's going to be guarding Adama on offense, and he's going to probably be, guard, be guarded by Whaley on defense. Yeah. Um, so I'm just really interested. And Sanogo's a great defender, too. I think it'll be a fantastic matchup to play a Big East game at 12 o'clock on a Sunday or Saturday. It just you know It's the, just a the traditional Big East sense. So I'm really excited
0: for that game, and that's going to be my game of the week. The Peace Summer... Really interested to see in that game UConn's offense disappears at times. Anybody who watches them knows that Villanova is probably the best or second best defense in the conference. Um, I wonder if, you know, UConn will just completely get shut down. They might be, yeah if they're held into the 40s or something like that. Um, We'll see who shows up for UConn on offense. If Polly and Hawkins are hitting their threes, it's a totally different team. Um, And, you know... We'll see what Sonogo can do against Dixon and Samuels.
1: Yeah, again, UConn is the only team in the conference that has has three people averaging 14 points a game. Um, So, I mean, I know that's a little bit of a cherry pick stat. I'm not trying to sit here because there might be someone who has 13 points a game. I'm not trying to sit here and say it's not. But UConn, when they're going right, you see a game line, where you saw the other day, where Sonogo has 19, Whaley has 15, Martin has 14, Cole has 14, Hawkins has 15. When they're going wrong you see a game line where someone has to score 25 or 27 like cole and martin had to do this week so we'll see where we're at but uh that's my game of the week and i think that speaks to a lot of people a lot of people are going to be interested to see which one of those
0: teams slips so Villanova's in both of our games of the week they obviously have a really big big week coming up um they're ranked number 12 12 i love that perfect country right now what do they call that in the biz a
1: segue a segue Something you like to ride. <clears throat> well, not that kind of podcast, everyone. Um, so, did you see the rankings? I haven't. I actually did. Oh, check perfect. Them out I'll read them off and then I'll be able to get you can give me your re- live reactions. This is live reactions, not live reactions because you're se- hearing this a few hours later or a few days later. Okay. So, they moved from Nova from 14 to 12. They moved Providence from 17 to 15. They moved Yukon from 20 to 17. They kept Xavier 21. And they moved Marquette from 22, and they moved them down to 24. So, And nobody else is in the – others receiving votes. We go on the AP poll, by the way. We don't go on the coaches. Um, I just feel like it's a lot easier to just focus on one poll. So if you don't like this poll, too bad.
0: (laughs) So Uh, anything jump to you? Yeah, I think Providence is better than the 15th team in the country. They have a better resume than the (laughs) 15th team in the country um you know they beat wisconsin uh, texas tech's 14th aren't they yeah no that's what providence fans are mad about because texas
1: tech is 14th and wisconsin's like 12th and,
0: and they and beat they both beat Pro- of those yeah. teams they beat everybody in the big east um they you know they pretty much beat everybody who's in front of them uh they lost to virginia and they lost to the marquette they got smacked by marquette yes that's right they had two really poor offensive games where you know their offense just didn't show up but they, for the most part, they beat everybody that's in front of them. Uh, they're better than the 15th team in the country at the moment. Um. I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I thought they'd kind of slide up
1: in more of that 13-14 range. I mean, I think that's kind of more where they're at right now. I don't know why Providence doesn't get the love. I don't know if it's just that people don't like admitting they're wrong, so people who had Providence predicted to finish 6th or 7th in the conference are just not okay with Providence being this good. I don't know if it's because, you know people love Ken Palm so much and they're like, well, they're actually the 43rd team or whatever. And it's like, at a certain point, Ken Palm is a tool we use. It's not the only tool it's like trying to, you know, it's trying to use a hammer when you need a screwdriver. Like you can just, you can different tools, use them at different points. So, I mean, I don't know why Providence, I mean, I think Providence needs to slide up about two or three spots. I think they have every right to be mad. I think part of it is they lost to Virginia who Virginia isn't very good this year. Um, and then they they got beat so badly by Marquette. I think that people kind of look at that and like
0: if a team you but know, now they come out win. and avenge that loss. I, I mean, I what, agree. how much can you hold them to that? team? Sometimes um, teams play. I guess four you could games, say they, nobody goes undefeated. right? I guess you could say they
1: finished the year with a minus thirty-one to Marquette. <laughs> but they finished the year. There hasn't been one. an
0: undefeated team in forty-five years. Oh, I um, I
1: completely I don't understand the Providence not moving them up. And this is coming from a UConn fan. They should be. It makes all conference better when provinces.
0: You know, I'm interested like. how many teams there even are in the country or in a power six conference with one or two losses left. Well, not there can't be many. I mean, um, even all the
1: SEC and all those Big Twelve teams have more
0: than that at this point. Right, most teams do. Uh, I'm not even sure there's any one loss teams left. Correct me if I'm wrong. Auburn's a one loss team. Um, Who beat Auburn? Uh, I, I, a Big East team, if I recall correctly.
1: Looks good for the conference, guys. Come on, get on board. Providence and UConn fans, join hands. Sing right. kumbaya together. Um,
0: I think Xavier staying at 21 is interesting, I guess. You know, that second half, and Creighton saved them. I wouldn't have been surprised to see him drop out of the rankings. Uh, just the way that they ended up winning. You know, getting outclassed by Creighton in the first half and then losing to Providence. You know they lost three or four halves on a week, but
1: I can see where the voters are coming from. Houston's eighteen or eighteen and two as well. Prop, but they play in a fake conference. We can say that because we're UConn fans and AAC is a fake conference. Sorry, everybody, I'm not sorry because we had to be there for so many years. Um, yeah, Providence and Providence, Houston, and that looks like it's at Iona's eighteen and three. That's and not being, a power. Conference. I know they're we being know. coached by Rick Patino, though, so I mean. Uh, Wagner's fourteen and two, so you conveniently left them off. Murray State's twenty and two, so you conveniently left them off. It just seems like you're not really appreciating the teams that you need to. Uh, UCLA's sixteen and two, and Arizona's seventeen and two.
0: Okay, so you got a couple teams out there in the Pack Twelve. Those are the the only teams. And, uh, and uh,
1: Auburn. And Auburn's twenty. And uh, Auburn's got one loss. So. Yeah, I I I thought it was interesting that UConn jumped so much. I'm a little confused because we're not giving as much credit for Providence winning important games, but we're giving UConn. For the second week in a row, they're at least the tied for the biggest jump. And UConn, all they did was beat
0: DePaul. And I know some of it is just who lost in front of you. Yeah, and so much of it is the, the journalists push narratives. You know, the journalists yeah. love UConn. They've uh, you know decided on this narrative that they were missing all their important pieces during all their losses.
1: Uh, factually correct.
0: You know, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm more interested in results than yeah. uh, you know, who's missing. Everybody's had people hurt. AJ Reeves was out for five games yeah. and Providence won. Nate oh, okay. Watson just missed a game and they won. Yeah, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a healthy scratch. Yeah. Um, so, now going forward, if you were to make predictions... What team do you think finishes the best ranked team in a uh, conference? Best ranked or the one team that wins? Because I think it's going
1: to be different. I think Villanova is going to finish with the best ranking. I think Villanova is going to end up in near a top ten team. Okay. I think Providence is going to win the Big East. You look at Providence's schedule. Now you mean regular season? Regular or the season? Big East yes. I, I think it's way too early to predict the um that only because I just don't want to speculate on who's going to be injured. Like if Bryce Akins back, that changes a lot of things. If you know, if somebody else gets hurt, if you have a serious injury or whatever, which we're not rooting for. But but listen to Providence's schedule coming up. And I know that's been Providence-heavy,
0: so you're welcome, Friars fans. Um, St. John's, we're predicting a win there, correct? Yeah. Georgetown. I, I mean, you know, the John's played a hell of a game against Seton Hall and probably uh, nobody beat them. of Just players. give me a gut reaction because we could probably say that every team is going to go, oh,
1: well, you know, they do this. All right. Johnny's win. Right? Sure. Georgetown win. DePaul, win. Yep. Villanova, probably a loss. Correct? Is it at the dunk or is it at the fence? So we think they're going to go 1-1 versus Villanova? Yeah, I could see them winning their home game. So let's go 1. Butler, win. Yep. Then they play Xavier. They just beat Xavier. They're playing him at home, though. So I'm going win. If they beat him on the road, you got to... If you're betting, you would say they beat him at home. Crate and win. Right. And then loss to Villanova. And then they're done. So we just said out of all these games... And there might be an upset. They could get... You know, things could fall off the wagon. We said... They're only going to lose one more game. Um, That Xavier game could be good. I know that they're already underdogs to St. John's for tomorrow, um, which is uh, shocking to me. But, I mean, we're saying that the margin of error right now is two. And that's why I'm uh, so disappointed they didn't reschedule these games because I think Providence has gotten through the hard part of their schedule and they kind of now have the underbelly. But, you know, if they had to play Seton Seton Hall, UConn, and Creighton, I could see at least one more potential loss and then we could see the Big East kind of but I don't think it's going to be very interesting because I think Villanova I think Villanova is going to split with Providence I think Villanova is going to split with UConn so I think Villanova is going to take themselves out and then I think that takes UConn out too and then you're kind of like well Providence is going to win and I think Providence deserves to win the Big East regular season crown are they've played that well
0: yeah I absolutely I think Ed Cooley has just been incredible this year um, but back to your point about the games missed I think if you're a Big East conference fan of basketball, you wanted to see those games. However they turned out, uh, they were going to be great yeah. games. They were going to be classics, and ones that we were going to talk about a lot. So it sucks that they're not going to get rescheduled. I understand that the kids can only play two games a week. Three or three games a week, but they can't do a back-to-back weeks. Okay. Um, so I guess logistically it just didn't work out. I'm hearing that it act- the decision was made by the Big East Conference. That's what I heard too. Not so I think, problem,
1: I think it's but. just funny because – or I think people ran with it because they laughed about – uh, Providence being lucky, and then they lose three games that were going to be difficult games at least. Um, and I think it just ended up again binding to their narrative. So. And so you're saying you don't want to venture Big East tournament guess? Right now, if you're asking me who's going to win the Big East tournament, I think that it would be even money to bet on Villanova to win the Big East tournament. I don't. I don't know. It's one of those you until you beat them, you can't say anything about it. And again, if Providence comes out and beats Villanova twice, I'll say I'll walk into that Big East tournament going, nope. Providence is to lose if Providence walks in and loses twice to Villanova, I'll just you know, and UConn beats Villanova twice, I'll say okay, it's UConn's to lose. I think whoever is able to beat Villanova um, is going to win. I but, think that and I think, for the moment, it's all respect to Jay Wright
0: and yeah. uh, let me see somebody beat him first. Yeah, I need somebody to do it before I can talk about it. So. If I was going to pick a dark horse, though, I'm I'm sticking with Shaka Smart. I'm sticking with Marquette. You know, they were right there against Providence also, and then you you were talking about a two and all week, um, so. It'll be fun. My dark good. horse, if, yeah, I didn't think we are going to go there.
1: Um, I really think that the Johnnies could do it. The Johnnies have as good of a one two punch as anybody in the league mm-hmm. Julian Champagne and Posh Alexander. And Aaron Wheeler's emergence has changed that entire team. They just beat seen Hall by 20. I know they lost to Villanova. They lost to 11. By 11, they were losing that game by a lot more. But again, you got to give deference to kind of Villanova. You're playing at Villanova, you can't expect to win that game. Um, and as far as being able to speed up ball handlers, Congo Gillespie and Justin Amore are not the guys. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if they go on the opposite side of the bracket and they don't have to play Villanova somebody and, to the end, and somebody Villanova. knocks off Villanova and let's say it's Marquette in the end, I... Can I see the Johnny's walking there and figuring it out and speeding up Marquette? Absolutely, because I've seen Marquette get sped up. Yep. I've seen Marquette play too fast um, when Cole especially when Colex not on the floor. I've seen UConn turn the ball over in full court press situations. I've seen Providence have a hard time with that too. So I, I mean, I, I know Johnny's fans are frustrated with their team right now, but I definitely could see.
0: Well, you, you know, they, don't forget this week was also Monday to win at the Walsh. Yeah. Uh, we picked as our stock down last week. Mike Anderson talking about how. Watching them play is ugly. Watching them stomp Seton Hall at the Walsh, I'll tell you it was ugly to watch Seton Hall in that game. Yeah. But the Johnnies looked incredible. They were really awesome. Um, watch, when they are playing the game the way they want to play, the other team doesn't look like them yeah. themselves. You know. And think about how funny it is to... You t-
1: forced a home coach to say, we don't like playing in front of our home fans. That's how frustrated... You made the team, whether or not, that's a good quote or not. He was to the point of that frustration. Um, so, I I mean, I, I could see the Johnnies, but I, I could see Seton Hall making a run and winning this. Wow, and they Bryce Aiken and Stern Roden before. and Ike Obiagu and Miles Kale, and all these guys are ready to go. I mean, I could see Seton Hall making a run. That's why the Big East, I think, is so fun this year because I could, see, could you see Creighton making a run. Ryan Nemar. I know it just sounds like we're playing politics here because we're just saying everyone can make a run. But Ryan Nemhart and Ryan I don't think Kupfer, can make a run. I six seniors if you're telling me brian enzi bryce golden and aaron thompson bryce get enzi. going that's why i said bryce enzi okay. bryce enzi, Bryce golden and aaron thompson get going and like could i see that and chuck harris i mean could i see well, they, they haven't done it all season have i been know been
0: all season and jo- we were saying last week right about laval jordan you've got some ballers out yeah. there so how come he can't right. won work? the
1: biggest tournament last year Patrick Ewing. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, to Patrick Ewing does not look like a Hall of Famer this year. Patrick Ewing might be the he, first. He's been sick.
0: Wow.
1: Ah. Wow, you're going after a sick man. Patrick Ewing going the Iowa State route of uh, last year when they're going to not win a game in conference. Well, and you know what?
0: He saved himself for a couple seasons to so hold on to this. I don't know.
1: Right I've thing. been talking. I've been interacting with a few Georgetown fans, and they they said they'd be surprised if Ewing's a coach next year. They uh, Their view is that the – Correct me if I'm wrong, Georgetown fans, and you made it this for our Hoya fans. Thank you. Um, they've, everyone I've interacted with kind of thinks that last year was a fluke. Um, and losing in the first round ended up kind of proving that. And, you know, Gillespie got hurt last year. They didn't end up having to play against Villanova with Gillespie. Um, he tore his MCL.
0: At oh, the end of last year. Yeah,
1: but they did beat
0: Villanova. I think yeah. Dante Harris hit a couple free throws oh, yeah. at and the And Dante, multi- Dante Harris went nuts. It looks like he's taking time steps back. And then they go and beat Creighton because Creighton beat UConn in the semifinals. Which so. is a great win because Creighton was you know really good last year with... And Zagorowski leading the charge. And, you know, Villanova still won a couple games in the tournament oh, yeah. without
1: Gillespie. So. Yeah, they beat that um, the team that everybody thought was going to win. Well, um, it doesn't help that when Swahab
0: went and left Georgetown. Uh and I, not, that he's, not that he's playing well out in Maryland, but... I was watching him the other day. I mean, if you're... The other, uh,
1: uh, to just be clear, I was going to make the Georgetown-Butler game my game of the week, so that's why I then know a little bit more. I mean, just great big men going to georgetown just amina muhammad is freshman of the year probably no matter what um and then you have matumbo there and i know matumbo look matumbo looks like he's having a really hard time and he looks unpolished but he's still dekembe matumbo's son you're giving him to patrick ewing one of the top 10 big men of all time and that's why i was shocked that Curtis wahab left i mean we still haven't figured out why Curtis wahab left i mean it could be he was playing a lot too so um could I see Georgetown making a run? No, not in the Big East Tournament. But could I see Georgetown turning it around eventually with Matumbo and um, Amin Muhammad leading the charge and Dante Harris coming
0: up, uh, being their point guard? Absolutely. And And, I can, and, I, absolutely. and if we're going to play that game, I don't think it's DePaul's here. And I love Tony oh. Stubblefield. I love Jalen Terry. I love J- Javon Freeman-Liberty. They're just not cohesive enough. Give me Javon, Javon an Freeman-Liberty
1: and Jones and the Johnson boys. In the tournament, or in a Big East tournament, and just making it so ugly, and just jacking up three after three, they could play with someone. They could. They Those could. kids are scrappy. I don't think they're winning three games. No, I don't think they're winning. Th- I think they're not even. But I think that uh, it would be really interesting to see just all these teams in the whoever gets their best sh- best shot. I could see about six or seven different teams winning the Big East tournament, um, and then it's all about who gets the best draw. I mean, right now they have seven teams into the. The Big Dance. Lenardi has seven teams. Then in. um, that includes Seton Hall, which again I and Creighton has the last four. Um, and yeah, I don't. I and I think Seton Hall and Creighton are right now on the wrong side of that. He didn't update it as of uh, Seton Hall and Creighton's last loss. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, I think right now you're looking at Villanova, Providence, UConn, Marquette, and Xavier. I think of that order too. I think that's a, a great well, that's order. What I do.
1: Yeah, I think I. But I also think you could say. Providence Villanova right now and yeah. that's
0: what's it's just crazy to see how far we've come this Providence year Providence has one of the best resumes in the country they're getting disrespected uh, Friars fans we hear you yeah um,
1: but maybe we just leave UConn fans alone and UConn fans we leave Providence fans alone yeah. maybe we could all just come together and why say why can't we be friends why don't we just make w- alright here's my plan we make one state we
0: t- we're already alright that's that's <laughs> enough for uh, the fourth week of the Big East Bar Room we want to thank everybody for coming out listening to us engaging with us it means a lot to us Get in our mentions let us know what we got right what we got wrong we'd appreciate it double our
1: uh, listeners this week we'd really love to double it again so retweet quote tweet it let us know tell us we're dumb tell us we're smart tell us you what you'd like to hear i've reached out to a few accounts and just to hear like different perspectives i know ryan has a really good pulse on what's happening on college basketball twitter runs a really
0: good college basketball twitter account um Send it to your friends. Tell them, listen to how dumb these guys sound. Yeah. You li- know what I mean? Hey, we it's can make a podcast better
1: than this. That's how we decided to We won't say which podcast. Out. All right. Have a great night, everyone. And as always, go Biggie's E's And thanks for pulling up a stool with us.